0: Inconceivable! Hello and welcome to another edition of the Narrative First Podcast, the weekly podcast where story is always king. I am your host, Jim Hull, the voice of Narrative First, and this is episode number 31. The best picture of 2016 doesn't have a story. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another season of the Narrative First podcast. I've uh, been away for about three months now. It's a bit long. Might make it a little shorter next year. When I we last spoke in episode number 30, which I wasn't sure if I should do season one, episode one, or if I should just keep doing the numbers. And it seems like most podcasts, you just keep going the numbers higher and higher. So even though this is episode 31, you could consider it season two, episode one, which would be great. Because if you remember the lost season two, episode one was great up until mid season two when it all fell apart. But it feels great. It feels great to be back talking about story structure, story analysis, and all things to do with Dramatica. It's been a pretty busy last three months, even though probably haven't seen much on the site, but there have been a lot of different changes here and there. Uh, the one big thing is the site is about 5,000 times faster. Finally, updated it to 2016 technology instead of 2014 technology. Uh, so now the pages will load faster. You'll be able to find everything you're looking for much, much faster. Although, if you go this week, depending on how long this Amazon outage goes, you might not be able to actually see any pictures, but hopefully, that'll be fixed relatively soon. Another development is we finally made it so that you can read everything on Apple News. We have it split up into different sections. There's like the main feed, which has everything, or you can just read the thoughts, which are basically just the blog posts. And then we have also the articles and the analysis. So you can just zip to whatever it is you're looking for, save the the ones as your favorites, and, and read it in a nice a nice environment, if, of course, you have an iOS device. Just yesterday, I updated the topography and the overall look of the site. Uh, like I said, there's a, an outage that just is going on while this is recording. So I'm sure it'll be fixed relatively fast, but all the, the images are broken. But the uh, topography and the, the fonts, everything is looking better and better each and every day. So hopefully that'll make it a more pleasant experience if you don't have access to Apple News or anything like that. And then also, yeah, if you are looking to subscribe, you know, if you have an RSS reader or some kind of reader that you would prefer to subscribe to, it is set up on the site. You just go to narrativefirst.com slash subscribe. If you go there, you will see the RSS feeds for everything, the featured article of the week, and thoughts, which are essentially, again, the the blog posts. Uh, So if you don't have Apple News or an iOS device and you want to be able to keep up with everything, you can always go there as well. And there will be links in the show notes for that. I redid the front page of the site. It's not just the same featured article at the top of the page. (laughs) Having it up there for four weeks during the holidays got a little old, so I went through and redid it so that it's it's everything that gets posted. So podcasts, story forming series, analysis, articles, blog posts, everything is there in a time-based fashion like, you know, most other sites. So all you have to do is just go to the front page, and you can quickly catch up on everything that's been posted there. Uh, yeah, and all of this is in preparation for new features on the site. Uh, starting this month, we're going to start up the story forming series again. You know where I go through and show you how I was able to use Dramatica to figure out the story form for a certain film, uh, which is always good because it helps you to see, you know, how you can quickly work through Dramatica to get what it is you want. And there are just other features that I'm working on to make it a more uh, enjoyable experience for those of you who are. Uh, to first members, uh, there's a yearly membership and a monthly membership. I am adding uh, more and more features and benefits to that stuff so that'll be great for anybody that's trying to use Dramatica, to write a story, or they're trying to learn how to use Dramatica. There'll be more and more resources there for you. At your disposal, my plan had been to do the book. I, starting in 2010, I used to do a book of all the articles from the year before. That got pushed aside um, because of a big project that we were working on. For a feature film, an animated feature film. So the book got pushed to the side. Uh, There are plans in March to do that. So we're definitely going to be doing that. And then also resuming the story forming series, as I mentioned, in March as well. So a lot of new things happening this month and throughout the rest of the year. Uh, Still going to be publishing the weekly articles. Again, I was going to start doing that in March. You know, this is the week. The week after the Oscars is when I get most pumped up and most excited. And feel like I'm going to win best screenplay, an Oscar for best screenplay. So I get really into story and really into story structure and everything. And this is when it all heats up again. Uh, But then I ended up actually starting to write articles uh, in February. In fact, let's see. Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah, the first one I wrote was on the heels of Sundance. At Sundance, I saw some great films. I saw Ingrid Goes West, which was great. It was Aubrey Plaza. Um, basically becoming obsessed with her Instagram crush and moving west and totally, you know, being her, which, by the way, that is the overall story concern. It's a really, really great, solid story. Another great one was I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, which was great to see Elijah Wood uh, acting completely crazy. Uh, but, you know, it has it has some issues with genre, and dramatic is a very interesting way of looking at genre. Um, it's not just, you know, a western or a thriller there are actually four different modes of expression. And if you don't go in the right order, you, you kind of it creates a very jarring experience, which I think is what they were after. But it was just unsettling, um, and it kind of just got crazy nutso at the end. Uh, that's actually on Netflix right now. You can check it out. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. And The Yellow Birds, which was an Iraq War movie, which was felt exactly like Platoon. And there is an analysis of that online that I put up too as well that pretty much explains why... Um, why that was. And it had everything to do with the main character's mental sex or the main character's problem solving style, which will be something we get into a little bit later when I talk about doing as I say, not as I do. So if you ever get a chance this year to check out those films, definitely do it. I'm sure they will be high on the list of films to see next year and maybe even Yellowbirds might end up the Oscars the same way that Manchester by the Sea was in Sundance last year and ended up being up for best screenplay this year. Uh, I try to go to Sundance every year because it's exciting. I don't know if I'm an inspiring. I don't know if I'm going to go next year just because it's a huge pain. And I went through the whole process of buying tickets. Here's my rant. I went through the whole process of buying tickets in October, right? By a huge package. I went the second half because I figured it would be less crowded and, you know, it's a little more inexpensive. So affordable. I was like, all right, I'll go the second half. So I buy my tickets in October. I pick the films I want to see in December. And then I show up, you know, third week, January and I show up at the time eight o'clock in the morning because I figure nobody's going to be there. And they pre, not pre-sold, but they let in, um, pass holders who are people who pay $3,500 for access to any movie they ever want to see over five days, which to me is absolutely insane. A movie that'll end up being on Netflix in six weeks. And so they took my spot. And then I I had to like practically beg to get, uh, a, a ticket, like to get tickets to go somewhere else. You know these? Well, it's in small print on the back of it, and to me, that pretty much soured my whole uh, Sundance experience. It actually turned out great because what happened was, I took that ticket and ended up um, trying to go see Reservoir Dogs that night, which I had completely not planned on. But uh, Quentin Tarantino was supposed to be there, and he's going to talk about the film afterwards. And so, what you do is you get the Sundance app, and then right two hours before, you hit a button furiously and you get put into a queue and we got 99 and 100 out of 350 and showed up you know and waited in line and actually ended up getting into it which was great you know on the blog I'll leave a link to it you can see you know we had nosebleed section but it was great and then afterwards he talked about 45 minutes about the entire um, you know the experience of making the film and it was great because Michael Madsen was there. that was a huge surprise. And there were some great questions. The The most compelling thing from a Dramatica standpoint was that he talked about the whole father-son relationship that was going on between um, Keitel and Roth, right? And how he hadn't planned on that when he was writing it. But then afterwards, he realized that there were a lot of father-son relationships in the story. And he felt like when he went back in and, and went through that, he felt it was... It was very illuminating and very exciting, but that he would never want to ever think about that again, and that all he cares about is, you know, where they're going to shoot it and, you know, who's in the shot telling the story, but didn't want to actually think about the structure behind the story or what was actually being set, which is really what Dramatica sets itself apart from everything else and from, you know, the work that I do when I work with uh, writers and producers and different people is looking at story from a, a very objective viewpoint a very um a very different way of looking at story that a lot of artists aren't really comfortable with cuz they don't really want to know what it is that they're actually saying you know it becomes kind of uncomfortable to know what it is you are dealing with but to me it's really illuminating and really insightful and it really helps the rewrite process because instead of kind of fumbling around trying to figure out what it is you're trying to say you have it all figured out ahead of time at least for the most part and that's of course why came up with the name narrative first because worked at DreamWorks for 15 years and they would never get the story right until the last three months. And then we had to work seven days a week, uh, 12 hour days. And that was a bit overwhelming, not really great for family. And, uh, you know, and then the end product, the story was confused. Some of them got fixed at the last second, but a lot of them didn't. So yeah, there are four articles that have already been posted. One was about rethinking, revisiting the Reservoir Dogs analysis, um, having seen the film, you know, Dramatica ships with, I think, 60 examples, and they were done 20 years ago. Some by interns that probably weren't as familiar or comfortable with the theory as they probably should be uh, when it first came out. And there are a couple that do seem, you know, that they have a bit of errors in them. I've spoken before about the Toy Story one, which I definitely think is incorrect. I think for sure Woody is a steadfast main character, and Buzz is the changed main character, and I have an article for that. I'll, I'll leave a link in the show notes for that one as well. Uh, but the one that another one that's always stood out for me was the Reservoir Dogs one, which just never connected with me. I never felt like it made sense. I mean, it was like, well, it's a very simple film, so, you know, whatever. Maybe it's just a simple story form. But after seeing the film, I realized, you know, I had a completely different take on it. I didn't look to see what the official analysis was. I kind of came up with it. Uh, Summer and I sat down and talked about it. And I kind of gave where I thought the quad was where I thought the different problems and solution were and she agreed and then it all fell into place like it usually does. And it was a completely different story form and much, much stronger than the one that's on the site. And hopefully I'll be able to get that reworked in there. Actually, I should add that in there. I have to add that in as... Another thing I have to do is try and get that new Reservoir Dogs analysis up there. Like I said, it's been a very busy three weeks. So yeah, I did the Reservoir Dogs analysis, which I thought came out really cool. Uh, The purpose behind Every Great Story, which has an image of hell or high water on there, uh, which I thought was, I really enjoyed the film, but I felt like something about the end, the resolve, there wasn't something quite right. And I thought we were going to do that as one of the user group films but looking over it i guess we're not doing that this year so that one's a really good one to check out i kind of explained my reasoning for why i felt it wasn't a, a complete story form which we'll get into in a second. And then the following week after that was the difference between becoming and being in Dramatica, which is really interesting, you know, for no other reason than being able to differentiate between doing and obtaining and being and becoming. It seems kind of like abstract and like, well, why would you even want to do that? And you can actually get a hold of your narrative and get a stronger feel for what it is that's actually going on in the story if you know the differences between those two, what goes on in there. And then last week was the beginning of a series, which I'm pretty excited about, which is more geared towards plot and towards developing an outline for your story. Uh, Last year, we had the roadmap service, which was, you know, you would give us the synopsis, and we would create the outline for you and basically do the whole story form, do all that stuff. It was a bit overkill for what people needed. I'm reworking it right now. It's still available, but it's in a completely different form. And these articles are basically setting up the foundation for that new outlining service. I've discovered some really cool things about the static plot points and how you can use that to kind of look at your story subjectively. And I'm really excited to share that with you. And so the first article on that was identifying the number of acts in your story, which if you've read the the theory book, the whole bump, slide, bump, 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 all those different, that section in there where, you know, depending on, you know, moving from one type into another. So if you have in an activity story, you would have doing, obtaining, learning and understanding. And this is also why the article the week before was talking about the difference between being and becoming, you know, when you move from doing to obtaining, it's kind of hard to tell where the difference is there. And then when you go from learning to understanding, it's like, well, when does learning stop and understanding begin? And when does understanding, you know, create enough motivation to learn more? It's where's that kind of sliding scale? Where does the break happen? As opposed to, if I move from obtaining into understanding, I'm achieving, achieving. Okay, now let me think about and appreciate what I just went through and what's really going on here. That's a huge leap. That's a huge bump. That's what Chris calls it was a bump. And that makes more of a solid act break. And it's really great because when you're writing a narrative, it really helps because everybody's so locked into that three act structure, you know, oh, we're you know, the treatment that I'm working on now, it's like, oh, we're working on act one. And now where's the break into two? Where is it? And we kept going over and over on it. And, you know, just being able to understand that the different contexts that you're dealing with in each act, the transition from one act to the next will actually create how many acts you have in your story. So you won't just have three acts, you could have two acts, or you could have four. And a really interesting thing is the two act structure is actually more profitable, which we'll talk about in another time. So that article identifying the number of acts in your story is the beginning of an entire series of articles uh, to help you better plot out your narrative. And so I'm hoping to be able to communicate that to you so that you'll get a better idea of how you can use Dramatica and these techniques to create better stories. Speaking of using Dramatica to write better stories, I'm really excited to announce that the Tangled television series, the television series based on uh, the Disney animated film Tangled, will be premiering this month, March 24th, on the Disney Channel. It's called, I thought it was called Tangled Before Ever After, but now maybe it's just Tangled the series? I actually don't know yet. Uh, And the exciting part is that Narrative First and me uh, were involved in helping to plot out the seasons, and the different episodes in the show. So I'm really excited to see how it all turned out. We actually did a story form for the entire series. Uh, And I've talked about this in an article before, I didn't mention that it was tangled. Now I can mention it. Uh, So I'll leave a link to that article that was written two years ago that you can read over. But yeah, we did a a story form for the entire series, and then uh, other story forms for each season, right? So season one has its own story form, which is, uh, really interesting is that the signpost one of the giant story form for the series story form is actually where you'll find the concerns for the first season story form, which is really cool. And then of course, in the second signpost, which is the second season, that's where you'll find the second story form's concerns. And I just answered this question, which I thought I had an article about it, but I didn't. I just answered this question uh, this morning about why Uh, Dramatica forces the concerns into the same area. So in other words, if you have an overall story concern of obtaining why is, you know, why are the other through lines in future becoming or changing one's nature and innermost desires? Like, why does it force that? And the idea is that, you know, if you're you're using the four through lines to look at the same inequity, the same problem in a story or the same source of conflict. And so you want to be focused on the same area. If you're looking at different things, you can't really... You're not getting any meaning out of it. The hard sentence to say you're not getting any meaning. Any meaning is not easy. Uh, But you're not getting meaning (laughs) meaning because you're looking at two different things. You know, the whole point of the different through lines is to give you a chance to see uh, what it's like to be inside someone who's dealing with this problem and to be outside of them, which we'll get into why 2016 doesn't have a story. The best picture doesn't have a story. Uh, yeah, you have to be looking at the same thing from different perspectives. And that gives everybody a greater awareness of what is really going on. I think last year, let's see, what was it? What was last year? Last year, there was a film we did for the users group analysis that didn't have its concerns for all four through lines in the same location. Oh, actually, it was from 2015. It was Z, and not the zombie one, but the, uh, the other one it was in the 60s or whatever, that one had concerns that were, you know, two of them were in one location. I think it was future and obtaining. The other two were in doing and being, and you could never really get any, you know, you could not get to what the point of the, the story was. You know, weren't sure what they were arguing because they were kind of all over the place. So yeah, that's why you'd want to have all those concerns in the same location. So it, it felt great, you know, while we were doing Tangled to kind of keep those in the same area as the signposts for the larger series and i think in the end it'll be great because you know the entire story form of the entire series will feel even stronger because of how integral each season is to the meaning of the the larger story that's being told so yeah that'll be march 24th on the disney channel you'll be able to check it out there Oscars this year were a great show. It was very exciting. Like I said, it's always great to watch it and get pumped up and excited about writing stories and be invested in great storytelling and movie making and filmmaking, all that that stuff. It's just, I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, For some reason, I was goose egg for the first half of the show as far as the Oscar poll goes. Usually I'm a little bit higher than that. Actually, I'm much higher than that, but I went with the, well, I guess La La Land's going to win everything. And obviously, that's what everybody assumed. Uh, and it didn't, which was great, because it was a fun movie, but I don't think it was necessarily the greatest film of last year. I I actually really loved Moonlight, which is strange to say, especially when you consider that I say it has no story. And everything about Narrative First is all about story. So how can that be? Well, a film doesn't necessarily have to have a complete story in order to be an amazing film. You can have experiential slice of life works of art cinema that, you know, they're not necessarily arguing a particular point of view. You know, with Dramatica, you have what's called a grand argument story, where you're using the four through lines to cover all your bases and essentially communicate some greater truth or meaning to the audience member. You're trying to convince them that a certain way of resolving problems is the most appropriate, or, or a certain way of, is inappropriate, depending if it's a tragedy or anything like that. So with Moonlight, they're not really trying to argue anything. You know, they're just putting together this great, uh, very involving, engaging experience. And I was saying how I loved how the way it was shot, it was almost like everybody was trying to keep their head up above the bottom of the frame, like they were almost drowning. And I just felt that throughout the entire film. I thought that was such a brilliant way to bring uh, the audience in the the sound. The score was really just completely different than what you would have expected. And, you know, the weaving, how everything was woven together uh, with the different time frames was just brilliant. And it, it gave a really great experience and everybody, you know, was really into it. I just don't think there was an actual argument being made. I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, like I said, there's lots of great films. I actually really love, I always use the example of uh, Tree of Life, which I think is really great. It doesn't have anything to it, but I absolutely love Terrence Malick's films, uh, even though they typically aren't there to actually argue anything. They're just kind of this, you know, cinema, like, oh, this is what, this is real life, and, you know, really gets you involved in it. You know, in, in Moonlight, that, that whole playground scene where they're trying to pick out who's going to get hit, it's just great. It's great. I see why it won Best Picture, for sure definitely. Although I actually really loved Manchester by the Sea, too. I thought that was fantastic. Manchester by the Sea had a story form, which is why, of course, it won Best Screenplay. But I guess maybe you get a little more leeway if you're adapting a screenplay. Uh, It's okay that it's not a, a complete story. In Moonlight, for me, the overall story through line was what was lacking. I mean, we're almost with the main character throughout the entire thing. And rarely, I think maybe there's one scene where you break away from him. You contrast that with Manchester, where there's A couple scenes, you know, not a lot, but there's enough that you can get an idea of what the overall story through line is of Manchester. The overall story through line of Moonlight, I'm not really quite sure is there. You could put something there and it it could be implied, but then what you're doing is you're adding in your own experience into the story and it's not being argued to you. It is in effect propaganda, which uh, is a really fascinating subject uh, with Dramatica where, you know, one of the ways that you can propagandize is you, you leave out a through line and the audience puts in, you know, their own experience, and they become part of the narrative, and, you know, the argument becomes their own argument, which is another way to engage them in the experience. I don't think that's necessarily what they were doing with Moonlight. I think, like, you know, something sicko, uh, the Michael Moore film definitely was something that was doing that, but with something like, Moonlight, I think it's just, this is what the story that they wanted to tell. And so what happens is people bring their own experience to it. Uh, Chris always used the example of Thelma and Louise, where you don't know exactly what happened to Louise in Texas. You just know that she's, you know, got some, something happened. You get an idea of what it is, but when you don't actually specifically say it, then everybody in the audience, every single person puts in what they, what happened to them in Texas. And then that becomes their story that becomes you know they become part of it so it's just a matter of whether or not you want people to become more engaged that way or do you want to actually be able to convince them and argue what it is your point of view is because it may be that the person in the audience doesn't have that and they won't be able to supply that information I mean that was the the thing with the Mel Gibson passion film not everybody knew exactly what was going on and was able to fill in the blanks about you know who, who was really behind everything and you know what, what was driving the you know the, the kind of violence that was going on there. And so if you don't if you aren't able to fill in the blanks by yourself, you either toss the film away and you don't care about it or you disregard it. Uh, there's all kinds of different things that could happen. It just depends on what your purpose is, what you're actually going for. So I, I, f- I, fin- I find it really, really compelling and interesting that the film that won best Picture of 2016, didn't actually have a complete story form. Now I could be totally wrong. It could it could end up that, you know, uh, come come this July you know, we're supposed to do Moonlight for the users group. And it could be, we sit down and we go over it and, you know, Chris says, well, you know, actually uh, this, this does have an overall story through line. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, luckily it's only four months. You don't have to wait an entire year like we did with Zootopia to find out that I was right. But, uh, it'll be really interesting to see. And I, I just find that, you know, really, it's really interesting that, you know, especially for me, someone who has a company devoted to all things story and is really heavily invested in, you know, helping people get their story forms solid, how you can actually have a film that doesn't have a complete story and actually have it win Best Picture. So while we were gone, a bunch of things happened in the Dramatica community. We did the Zootopia Users Group uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was great because the Zootopia analysis that we did last year it actually panned out and actually turned out to be the strongest one uh, in the room. There were several disagreements over where you know, the actual through lines were and what the film was actually about, which you can understand where people are coming from. And obviously a film that is that collaborative and has, you know, 40 people in the story room at once trying to figure out the story is, you know, you're not, it's not going to be a hundred percent clear what the story form is, but I still feel like the message of the film, what they were trying to get across and why it won best picture was because that the overall story was all about prejudice. And in those impulsive responses, so I will leave a link to the YouTube video of our uh, Zootopia analysis. And it's great because starting this year, I purchased a new HD camera. So we're not running it off my white MacBook. Uh, it doesn't mean, it means there won't be any more Hangouts, at least in, in the meantime. So you won't be able to participate online. But it does mean you'll be able to hear everything and see everything in glorious 1080p on our YouTube channel. And I'll, I'll leave a link to that. So the Zootopia one was like that. The ET users group, uh, we did that for January, that also is in high definition quality and ready for y- your perusal. Uh, that one was really great, especially because at the same time I was watching Stranger Things, I finally got around to watching that, and it was great because the story form that we came up with for E.T., uh, at least in the the problem and solution area, was the reverse of what it was in Stranger Things. So, in <laughs> a lot of people compare the, the two together, as, you know, Stranger Things takes a lot from E.T., But it's interesting how in E.T., they are trying to uh, pursue, right? They're chasing after E.T., and it's the avoidance that's the solution. He escapes. Whereas in Stranger Things, they're trying to prevent the kids from trying to find out everything, and it's actually when they turn around and and face them and stand up against them that they're actually able to resolve. So it's a reverse of it. And there's a great scene towards the end of Stranger Things, which is a complete copy from E.T., but the way the kids solve it is the flip side of the problem and solution. And there's an article to that too, so I'll be able to send you that way. Also, we finally have a story form for the Princess Bride, which is awesome. Mike Lucas, who was a Dramatica mentorship student uh, last year, uh, he chose to do the Princess Bride for his dramatic analysis. So if you're in the mentorship program, uh, one of the things you do is you do a complete analysis, kind of like one of those examples in the program where you have to go through, and once you figure out the story form, go through and you know, encode each story point and come up with, you know, reasons why you say, well, this is what the story form is. And Mike did a phenomenal job. It's great. It's so great. And the craziest thing is he did it in a week, which if you read Mike's stuff on the boards, you know, he's very verbose and likes to explain things. So he came up with some really, really great examples, really funny stuff. You know, inconceivable is actually part of the story form actually the overall story concern of conceiving. So yeah, I'll leave a link to Mike's Princess Bride story form. And he keeps coming up with more examples of what could be in there. And I keep adjusting the story form on the main site. So it's, it's here on narrative first, and then also I'll link to it on the Dramatica site as well. And then also we have the story embroidery class we did in December, which happened, you know, after the last podcast, where we go through and we randomly pick a story form and come up with a story. And it's just kind of, uh, this is more closer to Mad Libs where everybody takes a story point and tries to, you know, come up with story encoding on it. Usually turns out very hilarious. This was a sci-fi film that had a bit of presidential politics tied into it, uh, which was really funny. The great part is after two hours, you actually have a story that holds together because the story form itself holds everything together. So you'll be able to check that out. So that's actually really educational. It's great to see You know, everybody complains that Dramatica is just an analysis tool, but you can actually use it to write stuff. And that pretty much wraps up everything while we were gone. Finally, this week we round out our episode with a section on Do As I Say, Not As I Do. As I mentioned at the beginning, uh, over the last three months we've been working to help write the treatment for a feature animated film and it's been going great, everything's going great. But there was always one part that kept giving us trouble and it was not so much giving everyone trouble, it was giving me trouble because I was trying to make something happen to get the story form to work and it, the other in the room just weren't buying into it. And if you've worked with me before, or you've heard any other podcasts, you know that the first thing I say to do is to always set the main character's problem solving style to linear or the main character's mental sex to male. And the reason for that is because uh, male linear thinkers are not comfortable with holistic thinking people and holistic thinking stories. Uh, They can sympathize with what's going on and they get what's going on, but they just can't empathize with it. They don't understand why they behave the way that they behave. So for some reason, I had actually set this film to holistic. I mean, there is actually a good reason, but I don't want to say. And I would sit there and, and in story meetings, I would keep trying to throw in the main character's unique ability because I thought it was very important for two reasons. One, to tie the character into the story and also to help bring about the eventual conclusion. Just wanted to get it across. But every time I would put it forward, I would get these two sort of blank looks like, what are you talking about? And unfortunately, what it did is it developed, well, actually the, to be truthful, the female in the room and the other person who was more holistically inclined thought it was a great idea. Totally bought into it. But the other two just, they weren't buying it. The problem is, is that it kind of got this air of where it's like, well, you know, doing this stuff is kind of abstract. And that's the problem. Like uh, when somebody calls story points from Dramatica abstract, I think what they're really talking about is how objective it is or how objectified the story point or the note that you're trying to throw in is. Because you're really, you're not really in the minds of the characters. You're not in the heads of the characters or in the heads of the audience experiencing this film through the characters. You're actually, as the author on the outside, trying to put in this story point because you know it's important so that there isn't a story whole, so that the story holds together. And I mean, the great thing is, you know, you have somebody like like me or somebody that knows Dramatica in a story room with a bunch of people who are more invested subjectively into the characters. And you just work it out, the two of you together. And it's great because then you get all the bases are covered and you get a complete story. You know, you don't end up with not I mean not that. It would be bad to end up with something like Moonlight but you would be able to get something that's more uh, objective in nature and be able to uh, round out the story and be able to keep everything on track if you have both viewpoints, the subjective and the objective. You know, the problem with the subjective view is you're blind. I mean, you have your own blind spots. You're not going to see everything. An objective view sees everything. The problem with an objective view, though, is that it's not very emotional. It's not very passionate or personal, and you can't really invest yourself into it. So all this to say it was a huge mistake to have it's set to holistic. And eventually it came up to a point where the note that uh, the other guys were trying to throw in there was clearly a linear problem solving technique. And, you know, I'd be like, well, that's not really what this character is about. And I would try and you know rally against it. But, you know, once I finally realized, you know, I went home and I was like, Oh, you know what? Yeah, that is exactly what is going on here. This is a linear character. And the point was made, well, you know, this will bring in a larger audience because more people will be able to understand. They didn't even know Dramatica, but they just said, you know, this, this will make it, you know, more profitable. And which is, it's fine. Sometimes that is the purpose of film. And so when I set it back to linear, it was great. It did something really, really strange. And I plan on writing about this eventually, but it took, it basically flopped the, the first two signposts with the last two signposts uh, in almost every through line. That's all it did. It completely flopped them. Uh, So the order is completely different. And the great thing is, or at least the most compelling part, most interesting part to me was that I finally understood what everybody else was trying to get across. You know, when I flopped it to linear, when I switched it to linear and it flopped the signpost, suddenly all their points and the, the progression that they had worked out in their mind was there. Like they had been thinking linear the whole time. And I had been trying to kind of mush it towards a holistic thing. But once I switched it back to linear and, and did all it's just been a breeze. Everything's just gone right through. So if you are a consultant working with other writers, and it's, I think it's really, really important to figure out from the very beginning, what kind of uh, mental sex they are, what kind of problem-solving style they're into, and it's not just gender-based. Um, I have worked with somebody who is uh, a novelist who loves writing um, holistic main characters or female mental sex main characters. So it's more like what you know, what their what their thing is, what they're going for. Uh, but when it comes to Hollywood and like you know, tentpole big big production animated feature films or even blockbusters, that kind of thing, you definitely want to set it to linear. So I'm starting to follow my own advice. It actually is making things much easier. Uh, the last half has gone about twice as fast as the first half. You know, it, it, it's great. I, I love this stuff because it's really interesting to see it actually play out. You know, it's, an, it's one thing to be like, well, dramatic is this great theory. It's great conceptual ideas. It's fascinating, all these different things. But then when you actually see it played out in real life, to me, that, that's the exciting thing. So being able to see this, yes, you know, there was a bit of a delay, and I wasn't really making that big a difference. And I mean, it was great that all it did was flop it so that, you know, it was still a two-act structure. You know, the DAX were different, but at least it didn't switch it to a, a three-act structure. And part of the problem with doing the holistic was that it, it, at one point, it said that there should be kind of a first-act turn, and really there shouldn't be. There should be a bunch of little actions to, to put it into that second signpost second act or you know second signpost not second act so i mean that was i was very thankful that it didn't it really didn't change that much and it the the main character unique ability is was already there it's already been talked about (laughs) it's already there so it's not something that needs to be forced in it was already there which is great so it's, it's almost like oh okay this is you know okay jim set the story form to the people in the room not the people in the room to the story form and i think that's a really important thing to do So that's it for the first episode of the second season of the narrative first podcast. Once again, thank you for joining us and for spending some time discussing story structure and story analysis. If you have any questions about anything, feel free to write to narrativefirstcom slash contact, and we will see you next week.